Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read and comment, read and comment, so you can stay in Luke. I'm going to be going to John 1 next, if you want to hold two places in the Bible, John chapter 1 and uh, Luke 4, 1. In Luke 4, 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, or full of the Holy Spirit, as some translations say, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So being filled with or full of is a word that's used to describe the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon men in various different measures. And Jesus received the Spirit without measure. Or in the fullness, the fullness of the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Jesus received the Spirit in the fullness of God. So he had it all. He was filled with the Spirit, filled to overflowing. He didn't have any more room for any more Spirit because he was filled to the max. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But here's the thing about it. He received the Spirit without measure and the spirit remained on him which he never did on anyone else before this time the holy spirit would come on people in the old testament and they would perform a task or a duty he would equip them he would give them the ability the the power to outrun a chariot the power to slay a thousand philistines with the jawbone of a donkey give them the power to pull the gates of gaza up and run down the hill with them he gave them power for a particular task and the ability to perform that task. And then he departed. He never remained. And so we have the spirit by measure. And, and uh, the Old Testament uh, saints had the spirit by measure and it departed. We have the spirit by measure, but he remains because we're New Testament. Amen. And then in John chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, this is when Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan by John. He was being water baptized. And it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. He didn't see a spirit. He, he saw the Spirit, the mighty Holy Ghost. And he remained upon him. So, John was an eyewitness of this event. He saw. And then verse 33, he says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I think we covered that pretty good last week. But in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 12, Isaiah prophesied this same event that John witnessed. 
He said the descent of the Spirit upon the Messiah and remaining on him. And he said it very plainly. He said the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. It was the permanent and perfect resting of the Holy Ghost on the Son of God. And he remained. So Jesus was filled with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. He was anointed with the power, the attributes, the abilities that he would need for his ministry and everything else that lied before him. He was prepared for it. He was equipped for it. He was anointed for it. And how many knows the anointing is just the power of God? It is the ability of God that comes upon us and, and allows us to do supernatural things at times that we couldn't normally do otherwise. And we've seen all kinds of examples of that in the Old Testament. But then after he was filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible said he was led into the wilderness, the desert, to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And Mark said that he was driven into the wilderness. And here's the point I want to make. If he was led by the Spirit, if he was driven by the Spirit, then that means that it was God's will for him to go into the desert to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And there seems to be a pattern in the Bible that when you're anointed, and especially when God testifies for you and says things like, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, it seems based on a pattern in the Bible that you have got to be tested. If God testifies for you, you will be tested. Amen. And uh, Jesus was no different in that respect. And I'm convinced that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness uh, because Jesus was to take back as the second Adam everything the first Adam lost. Yes. Amen. I don't think Jesus had to be tested or proven. Uh, that he would be worthy. I don't think God had to find out what was in Jesus's heart because that's what a test does for you. It finds out what's in your heart if you'll keep the word of God or no. And I don't think God had to test the son of God to see if that was necessary. I think Jesus' sole purpose in the desert and uh, for the temptation was to fulfill that which Adam failed to do Amen. in the garden. And what yeah. Israel failed to do yes. in their wanderings in the wilderness. Yes. That had yeah. to be fulfilled. Yes. Jesus had to take back what the devil stole yes. from Adam. Amen. Amen. And I can't imagine that at any time Almighty God was in danger of being under the control or subjugation of the devil. No way. Were the temptations real? Absolutely. But Jesus passed them with flying colors. He did what Adam and the children of Israel were unable to do. And uh, I think there's a parallel with the temptation of Jesus and the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden and the temptations that the children of Israel went through in the wilderness. I think there's a definite para parallel there. And Jesus had to be tempted just like Adam was, but only for the purpose of taking back what Adam Lost. I don't think that Jesus was ever in any danger of conceding to the devil. Amen? But what is the purpose of him being tested? I really don't think he had to be proven, like I said. I think it was part of fulfilling the things that Adam and, and the children of Israel failed to do. Because we're going to look at some of the 
things that the children of Israel went through in the desert and why they had to be tested. There was a purpose for it. Yes. Everything God has in the Bible, there's a reason for it being there, a purpose for it being there, yes. whether it's a single word, whether it's a sentence, a paragraph, a, yes. a, a, a verse, a chapter, it's all there for a reason. And he wants us to dig until we find out the reason it is there for. Amen. And there's a purpose for everything. So Job comes to mind as well because God said uh, when Satan came before the sons of, with the sons of God and come before God, he said, Hath thou considered my servant Job? He's upright and outstanding. He loves me. He's righteous. And he excused evil. He hates evil. Have you considered him? And poor old Job was, was down here minding his own business. But God used him as an example. God testified for him. And you know what happened after that. All hell broke loose in Job's life. He was tested like no one was ever tested before he was. Amen? Amen. And then uh, Adam was tested. And the one thing I found the parallel in, or what's significant about these testings between Adam, the children of Israel, and Jesus himself, is he was tested in only the areas that would be common to man. Yes. And that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Yes. Those are the only three areas that you could be tested in. So don't be preparing for tests in other areas of your life. They're not coming from the enemy. These tests that the enemy brings, he is confined to those three areas. Yes. Lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of yes. life. Amen. He can't tempt your spirit. He can't tempt anything else about you. He has to tempt you in the area of the flesh. Yes. Adam lost it in the flesh. Jesus had to come back in the flesh to yes. regain it. Jesus had to be in the flesh to take back everything that the devil stole. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's why he had to come down here uh, as the word and he had to uh, become flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes. Why? Because he had to defeat the devil in the flesh. Yes. Amen. Because in the spirit, the devil would be no match for Jesus. No match for God. Amen. Yes. Amen. He's the creator. The devil was the create it. He was the, uh, the potter. He was the clay. And if he didn't like something about his creation, he could just ball it up, throw it in the garbage, and recreate them. Amen? Amen. So that wouldn't be fair. So Jesus came in the flesh and defeated the devil in the flesh. Adam was tested. The Bible says Adam saw. It was Eve that saw, but the Bible says he was there with her. He was the one in authority. Yeah. So I'm blaming him. Adam saw, and not to be disrespectful, it didn't make any difference what Eve saw. Amen. She wasn't put in charge. That's she right. wasn't held That's responsible. Adam was. He yes. could have corrected that situation, but he yes, didn't. He yep. So Adam saw that the tree was good for food, yep. lust of the flesh, yes. that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, uh -huh. and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. And he ate of that fruit. Yes. Yeah. And if you remember, the first temptation Jesus had was presented, uh, or was presented with, had to do with food. Yes. He was he fasted forty days, and he was a hungry, as the King James said. He was yeah. angry. Amen. Yes. And, and and so the devil comes to him with the first temptation, the lust of the flesh, because his flesh was ready for some 
something to eat. Yes. And he said, if thou be the son of God. Now, the first thing the devil has to do is he has to cast doubt. Yes. He has to get you to doubt who yes. you are and what the word of God says. Come on. If thou are the son of God, yes. command that this stone be made bread. Now, that was a genuine, real temptation. Jesus was hungry. He had the ability to turn a stone into a loaf of bread or a piece of cheesecake or anything else that he wanted. But he didn't. He defeated Satan with the word. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall man live. And so he defeated the devil with the word. And the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness carries with it the same structure as the temptation of Adam and the temptations of Israel in their wilderness wandering. Satan tempted Adam with the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's exactly how he tempted Israel. It's exactly how he tempted Jesus. John said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Yes. John said that. Yes. All that's in the world, the only temptations in the world for you and I is the lust of the flesh, eyes, and the pride of life. Yes. And then Paul backs it up and says, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. What's common to man? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's the only thing that's common to man. That's the only thing the devil can tempt us with. Amen? Amen. So we should have a leg up on that. We know Amen. where our temptation is going to come. Yeah, that's that's right. why Paul said we need to have a renewed mind and yes. a disciplined flesh. Yes, sir. If your flesh is not disciplined, it will run amok. Yes. So Adam yielded to the temptations and ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because he allowed himself to believe that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and it would make him as wise as God. Mm -hmm. That's pride. Yes. That's exactly what caused Lucifer to fall. Yes. So likewise, Israel in the wilderness gave into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we find that when the devil came to tempt Jesus... The last Adam and the true representative of Israel and the true representative of Adam and the true representative of you and I, when he came to tempt him, those temptations corresponded with the same temptations that he utilized in the garden and he utilized on the children of Israel. Jesus was tempted with the lust of the flesh like we just looked at, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Just like Adam and just like Israel, except with one major difference. Jesus obeyed where they disobeyed. Amen. Jesus were, was victorious where they were defeated. Yes. You see how important it is to keep our flesh under? Yes, to keep our mind renewed? To be filled with the Holy Ghost? Because there's going to come times that you won't be able to resist the temptations in yourself. You're going to need the helper, the one that's what, Pastor Ed, called side to help. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Yes. But the most significant detail of Jesus' success is the source of the scriptures. Jesus appealed uh, in battling the temptations of the devil with scriptures that he quoted 
out of the book of Deuteronomy, yes. which is which signifies and identifies all of Israel's temptations and their wanderings in the desert. If you want to know about their wanderings, the main thrust of that is going to be in Deuteronomy. And uh, three times Satan tempted Jesus, and three times Jesus defeated him with God's word. That is exactly what Adam should have and could have done in the garden, and we would have never had to go through any of the things that we're going through. Yes. Jesus wouldn't have had to come the way that he came. Jesus wouldn't have had to be sacrificed the way that he was. He wouldn't have had to become the second Adam because of the first Adam would have never messed up. Amen. Amen. But Adam conceded. He messed up. He gave into the temptations. But there's, and, and he could have defeated him with the word of God, just like Jesus did. But there's something deeper and even more profound in this text because Matthew and Luke tell us that Jesus appealed to the scriptures again from where? The book of Deuteronomy, the book that summarizes the lessons that God taught the Israelites during the time that they were in the wilderness. Forty years taught by the word of God. Same word of God that Adam was taught with. Yes. Same word of God that Jesus was taught with. Actually, he was the word, but yes. Jesus, when he came here in the flesh, he had to read the scriptures just like we do. Yes. He had to meditate on scriptures just yes. like we do. Yes. Matter of fact, he found his ministry and calling in the scriptures, basically yes. from the book of Isaiah. Amen. He said, hey, He's prophesying about me. That's right. Jesus would have never found that out if he wasn't in the word. Amen. And you won't find your calling either outside of the word. Amen. But Jesus took what Israel should have taken, the truths that God taught them in the wilderness through the word of God. And he did what Israel and Adam should have done in overcoming their temptations as well. Now, here's the similarities of Adam's temptations. And Israel's and Jesus' temptations. And for that matter, our temptations. There's the similarities. We're all tempted the same way. Lust of the... Help me out here. Flesh, eyes, pride of life. Amen? If you're hungry, command that this stone be turned to bread. And then the devil takes him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time, he showed him the kingdoms of the world and the beauty of them. Amen. Lust of the eyes. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now the devil's going to quote the word to the word. It is written, he shall... His angels shall, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their arms they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Well, how's that to pride of life? If Jesus would have cast himself down, the angels would have had to come and rescue him based on the word of God, yes. and then he would have been, he would have been shown to be in favor with God, yes. and be, been shown without the shadow of any doubt that he was the Messiah, and the people would have came and took him and made him the king. Yes. And that's the pride of life. Yes. So he, he was tested just like Adam, just like the children of Israel. Except he passed his test. Amen. He defeated the enemy yes, with the word. Did. How are we yeah. going to defeat the enemy? With the word. With the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the children of Israel failed their test in the wilderness. 
And maybe there's a connection here as well because Christ succeeded in the testing that Israel failed with in their experience. And here's some striking similarities in both experiences and we can find many more, but I don't want to spend a lot of time in them. Uh, we like types and shadows. Israel was tested in the wilderness. Christ was tested in the wilderness. Israel was tested 40 years. Christ was tested 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. Uh, Israel was tested lust of the flesh, eyes, and pride of life. Yeah. So was Christ. There's a lot of similarities, but yes. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And this will tell us why Israel was tested and possibly why Adam was tested. But this is not the reason that Jesus was tested. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, I'll read in the King James. It says, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Yes. Now what would happen if they didn't obey all the commandments that God commanded them that day? They wouldn't live long, they wouldn't multiply, and they wouldn't go in and possess the land. And they didn't. Why? Because they couldn't overcome the temptations in the wilderness. Verse 2, and you will remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, he led them, so it must have been his will. He led Jesus, so it must have been his will for Jesus to go in the wilderness as well. Yes. And here's the reason you, uh, I led you into the wilderness for 40 years to humble thee. Jesus didn't need to be humbled. To prove you, Jesus didn't need to be proved. To know what was in your heart, God knew what was in Jesus' heart because he had the same heart. Yes. Whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no, God never had a doubt in his mind that Jesus would keep his commandments. Right. Uh, so again, there was a different reason for Jesus going into the wilderness. But here's the threefold purpose for God testing Israel. To humble them, to prove them. To find out what was in their hearts and see if they would love him and keep his laws or keep his word. That's why we're tested. And some of the things God used to humble and test Israel was hunger, thirst, and lack of supplies. Amen. And, and, and mainly because he wanted them to learn how to trust in him and look to him for their provision, their protection, their supply. I'm telling you, you don't realize how valuable God is to you until you're in lack. Yes. Amen. That's when we turn to him. Yes. Amen. Yes. But if we keep him in our sight Come on. and uh, always look to him and trust him, we'll never find ourselves in that position of lack. That's it. And when we find ourselves in a position of lack, whether it's lack of health, lack of finances, lack of love, lack of discipline, lack of whatever the lack is, uh, it's because we took our eyes off the altar and finisher right. of our faith. Yes. And we started doing things on our own, thinking that we were enough to get it accomplished. Yes. And God wants us to know and to trust in him, to know yes. that we can count on him. Amen. Yes. He wanted them to learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. And this is why Israel was tested with hunger. And then supplied with manna. Yes. 
He wanted them to learn that they didn't just live by natural food alone, but they had to have spiritual food, which yes. manna represents in the New Testament, it. and it had to come from heaven. Yes. And it had to be on his terms. Yes. You gather enough to eat every day, and then on right before the Sabbath, I'll give you enough to last two days. But if you try to be greedy and take more than you have coming, which Israel tried to do, it would turn rotten and it would stink. And so he says, give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Yes. He wants us to have daily bread and yes. he wants it to be fresh. That's right. So this is why Israel was tested for hunger. He wanted them to learn that they needed spiritual food yes. even more than they needed natural food. Yes, sir. And in his victory over the devil, Jesus actually quoted the latter, latter part of Deuteronomy 8.3 when he told the devil that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what God told Israel. So these are more similarities. So Jesus overcame the devil's temptations with the word, and he passed his wilderness test. The children of Israel failed their wilderness test. That's why they had to wander 40 years. And even that generation didn't learn those 40 years. They had to die off and a new generation had to come up. The Joshua generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The only problem with Joshua's generation, they had a lot of zeal, but not a lot of wisdom and not a lot of knowledge. That's right. It takes both generations, yes, amen, to yes. be successful with God. But here's the part I've been working my way towards because it is undeniably connected to everything that I said. And uh, I want you to notice what happened after Jesus came out of the wilderness, after he was baptized with water, baptized in the Holy Ghost, in the fullness of God. He comes out, he goes into the wilderness, he's tested, he comes out, and we're going to pick it up. And Well, let's go back to verses uh, 1 and 2 in Luke 4. It said that, no, I'm sorry, let's go, we read Luke 1 and 4, 1 and 2. Let's go to 14 through 19 now. This is Jesus coming out of the wilderness. It says, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Now, I know that when he got anointed, when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and anointed, the power of the Holy Ghost went into him, but it doesn't say that he went into the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Right. But he did return in the power of the Spirit. Yes. Yes. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the main reason Jesus came to preach the gospel. Get people saved. And then he says immediately after that, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Yes. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Yes. That's physical healing. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Now, when was he anointed? He was anointed when he was baptized in the Jordan River. And John was an eyewitness of the, I don't know if anybody else seen it, but John was an eyewitness of the spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove. Yes. He wasn't a dove, he was like a dove. Yes. God had to show him something physical representing something spiritual what he yes. could not see. Yes. And he saw the spirit like a dove descending on Jesus and remaining. Yes. That's when Jesus was anointed. Jesus went from there into the wilderness anointed. But he not only come out of the wilderness anointed, he came out in the power of the Spirit. And that's important that we understand that. He was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He was anointed and sent to heal the brokenhearted. He was anointed to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He was anointed to set at liberty them that are bruised. And finally, he was anointed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which was Jubilee. Yes. Amen. Jesus came in the year of Jubilee. Yes. And that was a celebration from the Old Testament where Israel, if, if uh, you lost anything, if you lost any property for any kind of reason, it was all returned to the original yes. owner. And that represented Jesus coming yes. in the year of Jubilee to take back everything that Adam gave to the devil and return it to the rightful owner. That was the acceptable year of the Lord. It was no coincidence that Jesus came during the year of Jubilee. He came because that was when he was going to take back everything that the devil stole from Adam, our forefather, and return it to us. So you can read the Gospels as slow and as carefully and as meticulously as you possibly can, but you will never find one place in it where Jesus preached any sermon, delivered any person, opened any blind eyes, cast out any devils, performed any miracles of any kind until he was anointed and returned in the power of the Spirit. Now I know we have Bibles with... uh, uh, something in the front of the Bible that tells us of all these miracles and things Jesus did, but they're lies from the pit of hell. We don't have no business reading them. Come they're on. not part of our Bible, yeah. and they contradict a lot of the things that our Bible says. Stay away from those things. All they're going to do is cause confusion. Yeah. Read the word starting Amen. with Genesis. That's right. Not anything before it. Amen? Amen. And, and, and we have to understand that as we're reading the word, that we have been anointed to understand it. You will understand it a lot better when you're filled with the Holy Ghost because he will lead you into all truth and thy word is truth. So if you wanna be led properly in the the scriptures, you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost and he has to be doing the leading. Amen. 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 Yes. There are many voices in the world, and all of them are significant. Uh-huh. But we don't listen to all of them. Amen. Amen. Yes. We listen for the voice of the Holy Ghost. He will Amen. give us the direction in our spirits, in our hearts yes. that we need. Yes. Amen. Amen. Don't be misled. If you're being misled, it's because you're listening to the wrong voices. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But when was he anointed again? When the Spirit descended on him and remained. 
So if Jesus couldn't overcome his temptations or heal anyone or cast out devils or perform miracles or preach deliverance to the captives or open the eyes of the blind until he was filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed, then what makes you think that we can? Amen. We can't. We need to be filled just like he is. Yes. Now, here's what I've been working towards this whole time, because uh, God showed me something really significant in these passages of scriptures. And, and the reason we went over all the temptations and the experiences of Adam and the children of Israel and Jesus in the wilderness. Pastor Rick quoted John 14, 12, Wednesday night, where she said, he that believes on me, the works that I do. He shall do also and greater works than these Great. shall he do because I go unto my father. Yep. Yes. And so I believe he's talking about not only individual believers, yes. but he's talking about individuals, believers that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. And the Holy Ghost brings us together into one body, yes. into unity, yes. one voice. Yeah. That's our heavenly language. Amen. Amen. Yes. And, and Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed to do the works that he did as great as they were. And so if we're going to do the works he did and even greater works, then we have to be filled yes. and anointed too because we can't do them on our own. Yes. Amen. Amen. This is the importance of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. I'm putting more salt on your oats now. Amen. Jesus had the spirit without measure, but we have the spirit by measure. We don't have the fullness of God dwelling in us. Jesus did. And, uh, you know, uh, when we looked at the baptisms, I said that before you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost, you have to be born again. So Jesus was the first one baptized in the Holy Ghost. But he didn't have to be born again because, like I said last week, he was born right the first time. So he was filled uh, to, because he was pure and undefiled. He was filled with all the fullness of the Godhead. He was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We are baptized once, but filled many times. Yes. Why? Because we can be depleted. Yes. Come on. Jesus would give out all day long and yes. then he'd go up on the mountain and That's pray. Right. Right. Yes. And we give out all, all day long. I hope anyway, we should be giving out. Yes. It should be flowing from us like yes. rivers of living water should be flowing from us. Yes. And we deplete ourselves. We have to spend time in the presence of God as well Amen. to get repleted, yes. to get filled again. Yes. And, and we go through life like this, depleted, repleted, depleted, repleted, yes. empty, filled. Amen. Jesus didn't have to do that. He was filled to the fullness, yes. but he did it anyway. Yes. And so what makes us think we can get away without doing it? We can't. We need to spend time in his word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in his presence, praising him and worshiping him yes. and filling ourselves up yes. for the next depletion, Hallelujah. for the next emptying. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And even then, we won't be able to do greater works than he did. But as a body, the body of Christ, when it comes into unity with one another yes. and one accord, yes. and we're all speaking the same language, yes. the body can do greater works than he yes. did. Yes. Amen? Amen. He was in one place at one time. His spirit that he sent 
the comforter, one identical to the first, his spirit that he sent to us is in each and every individual and all us individuals are all over the world. Yes. And this yeah. is how we do greater works than he did. Yes. Jesus couldn't do this type of work That's right. when he was with us. That's, right. That's why he said it's expedient that I go. Yes. So I can pray the Father yes. or ask the Father yes. and he will send you another comforter, yes. one identical to me. And in yes. one place he even says, I will come to you. Yes. Talking about the Holy Ghost, he said, yes. I will come to you. Yes. Why? Because they're one. Yes. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But here's what I'm trying to get at. We preach healing in this church real hard. Because we really believe in healing. Yes. Amen? Amen. Yes. But we're always preaching physical healing. Yes. Uh, you know, fix this, fix that, heal this, heal that, replace this, replace that. But here's what the Lord showed me. There's something even more important than physical healing. Because this thing will cause physical healing. And the lack of it will cause illness, sickness, disease, yes. infirmity. And that is where Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. And then it says he was sent. He's here preaching the gospel to the poor, but he was sent for a specific purpose. And that was to heal the brokenhearted, heal the broken in the heart. And God showed me and Pastor Red that if we can get hearts healed, it will bring about the physical healing that you've been struggling for for years and haven't been able to realize because your heart is broken. Amen. Come on. Your heart is broken. Yes. And it affects your outward man. It affects yes, it does. the healing of your physical body. Amen. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Anything that pertains to life yes. proceeds or flows from the heart. Yes. It's issued from the heart. Yes. If, if it has anything to do with life, it flows from the heart. Well, what if your heart is broken? Yes. What if your heart isn't working the way it was designed to work? And I'm not talking about That's your right. physical pumper. Right. I'm talking about your inner man, your spirit man. Yes. The yes. real heart of you. If it's broken, yes. then what it issues is going to be broken and right. fragmented too. Amen. Proverbs 18, 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, yes. but a wounded spirit, a wounded heart, who can bear? You can handle a lot of stuff, but you can't handle a broken heart. That's right. And then Psalms 147, 3 says, he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Amen. What was he sent to do? To heal the broken heart. David cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit or a right heart within me. David's heart was broken. Yes. Proverbs 15, 3, or 13, 15, 13 says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance but my sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken yeah. and then proverbs 17 22 we all know well a merry heart doeth good like a medicine yeah. 
But a broken spirit, a broken heart, dries the bones. Yes. I don't know if you realize it, but dry bones is a, a form of uh, uh, bone marrow cancer. Yes. So can you see the reason Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted? Yes. I mean, Pastor had opened the door to this Wednesday night when she was talking about emotional healing. That's the direction I thought she yes. was going to go in. And because and, I, I really thought that's where she was heading, and she might have been. Uh, but emotional healing has to do with the heart. Because yes. when your heart is broken, your emotions are all over the place. Yes, your emotions are. are messed up. Amen. And God told me and Pastor Ed to minister to the brokenhearted. This is how we prayed for this service today. And God wouldn't tell us to minister to the brokenhearted if, number one, there wasn't broken hearts in here, and number two, if they didn't need to be healed. Amen. Or if you didn't want to heal them. Amen. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And God specifically told us the reason that some of you can't get the manifestation of a physical healing. Your faith has been there. You know, you understand the word, but you just haven't been able to get hold of the manifestation. You just haven't. Uh, brought your healing to complete wholeness yet uh, and, and it, it's because your heart is broken and he wants to mend it he wants to heal it and then you'll see physical healing come Amen. because out of your new healed heart yes. will flow the issues of life yes. and that includes healing yes. and then you know I'm not going to get into a lot of it but I'm going to describe probably everyone in here because some of you have broken hearts because your home is broken. Some of you have broken hearts because of a broken relationship. Some of you have broken hearts because of the loss of a loved one, including fur babies. That's a loved one. And some from a betrayal of a friend. And the list goes on and on and on. And it doesn't make any difference what caused a broken heart. Because nothing's impossible for God. Amen. He can and he will heal it. Yes. Amen. Amen. And some of you have been grieving for years. Yes. I know people personally. And I love them dearly. But they lost a loved one years ago. And they're still mourning and they're still grieving. And they're wasting their life. Their life is yeah. wasting away. Yeah. And that is not your loved one's will for your life. No. And that is not God's no. will for your life. Yeah. God wants you to continue living, and he still wants you to live life to its fullest. Yes, Jesus came to give life, yes. and that more abundantly. Yes. He don't want you living any less of a life. That's right. And I understand why we mourn. I understand why we grieve. And grieving is a healthy process, and it's something that we must do. But there comes a point where the grieving is over. Yes. And we just keep the good memories. Amen. And we move on. Amen. Yes. And, and grief is a part of the human condition. And it has been since the beginning of time. If you love, love and grief can't be separated. If you love, you will grieve someday. Yes. Love will cause you to grieve someday. Because when you lose that love, however you lost it, yes. relationship, death, however, you will grieve. And God understands that grieving is a healthy emotion. Yes, it is. But again, it only goes to a point. And uh, talking about what Pastor Ed was talking about, emotional healing, we feel anger, we feel numbness, 
We feel relief. We feel uncertainty. We feel anxiety. We feel fear. We feel depression, apathy, sadness. All of these are emotions. And when you are grieving, you have your emotions are running them up. They're running all over the place. And they're hard to control. But God wants us to control our emotions. But you can't do it in yourself. You need God. You need the Holy Ghost to help you with these emotions. But where most people go wrong is they refuse to allow their emotions or the grief to run its course and move on. And they bottle it up instead of releasing it. If it's anger, go out in the middle of a field and scream. That's it. Amen. Uh, if it's fear, get over your fear. Whatever the emotion is, instead of bottling it up, Amen. get it out. Let it run its course. Yeah. Amen. Uh, because when you keep it inside and bottle it up, it's yeah. like putting a lid on a pressure cooker yeah. and turning up the heat. Sooner or later, that pressure cooker is going to blow and it's going to cause damage to you. And in the meantime, getting to the place where it blows, it's going to cause stress, anxiety, worry, and yes, even physical sickness and disease. It will. Why? Because your heart is broken. Your heart that issues all of the things that pertain to life is not working properly. That's right. It's broken, it's fragmented, and that's exactly yeah. what it's issuing, broken and fragmented things. Yes. So you've got to release these emotions. Yes. Jesus said, cast your cares, your emotions, your worries, your anxieties, yes. your fears. Cast all of those things on me because I care for you. Yes. Jesus cares for you. Yes. He loves you yes. so much that he did everything he did for you. Because he loves you. Yes. And he's yes. the one that's saying, cast your yes. cares on me because I yes. care for you. Yes. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden or burdened, yes. and I will give you rest. Yes. If you're not in rest, it's because you haven't come to him. You haven't given him your burdens. You haven't given him your cares. You can't do nothing with them or you would have. If there's anything you could have did, you would have already done. But you can't. This is a job for him. He was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He was empowered to do that. I'm not empowered to do that. I can help you with physical healing. I can get you to the right doctors. I can get you the right, medi uh, uh, not medication, but the, the right recommendations and get you to the place where you can get help. But I can't heal anything, especially when it's inner healing that you need, a broken heart. Only he can do that. And if your heart is wounded, you're not gonna receive, I won't say anything from the promises of God, but you're gonna be limited in what you can receive from God. Because everything is done through your heart. That's right. Amen? Amen. So, we want to pray for you this morning. And I want you to understand that Jesus loves you. You say, yeah, yeah, I know that. No, Jesus loves you. Yes. He really loves you. He yes. is concerned with you. Yes, he is. And he doesn't want you living life with a broken heart. He doesn't want you living life in a pressure cooker or living uh, a life with a, a broken, fragmented heart. He wants you whole. Yes. And healed. Yes. 
and it's going to start with your heart. That's right. So let's stand to our feet. And this time, we're going to ask you to come forward. And I'm telling you, there is an anointing here for this. Uh, we prepared the atmosphere through prayer and talking uh, with our heavenly language. And I know God is going to show up here this morning. When you make an appointment with God, he always shows up. Yes. And he's going to show up. He's here right now. He's here this morning. Yes. And he wants to heal everyone that has a broken heart right now. And I'm telling you, some of you have broken hearts from years gone by. Broken from things that happened years ago. And you don't realize it, but the Holy Ghost is going to bring it to light right now. And not to make you feel sad, not to make you uh, grieve again or cry again, but this is a process. It has to come up and out. Yes. And I want you to do something in the natural, but God is going to look at it as it's actually being done in the spirit. I want you to reach here, take your heart in your hand, and hold it out like this. I know it seems silly here, but if you'll do that, God will recognize that in the spirit. And what that's saying is that, God, here's my whole heart. Because we always just want to give God a piece of it. Yes. There's always a secret chamber or yes. a section of our yes. heart that we don't allow God yes. into. And this represents giving him your yes. whole heart yes. and everything in it. Yes. And let him heal it this yes. morning. Let him take what's broken and patch it up. Yes. Renew it. Yes. And I'm telling you, if your heart is turned to stone because of the years of grief and the years of uh, hurt and the years of rejection and the years of the things that you experience, God will take out a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He'll give you a brand new heart this yes. morning. Yes. I know that's talking about spiritual uh, rebirth and everything, but that's exactly what God will do. He'll give you a new heart this morning. So take your heart out, offer it to God and ask him to heal it. All right? And while you're doing that, I want you to come up here in front. If that's if I talk to you, don't come up here to please me uh, or please Pastor Ed. Come up here because God is prompting you to come up here with your heart in your hand. That's why we're doing it this way. You come up here with your heart in your hand, and I promise you God is going to heal it this morning. I don't care why it's broken. I don't care how it was broken, how long it's been broken. The reason it's broken doesn't make any difference. God will heal it this morning. Amen. 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 Come on, Pastor. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord. Thank you.